This is KB Sane. Welcome to the Black Theater History Podcast, where we seek to celebrate the people, the plays, and the rich stories of the American theater's African-American history makers. The 2017 National Black Theater Festival will begin next week, and Winston-Salem, North Carolina will be again filled with Black theater artists and audiences. One of the productions featured at the festival this year is Sugar Ray, a one-man show written by Lawrence Holder, directed by Woody King, and performed by Reggie Wilson. The play tells the full story of the life of Sugar Ray Robinson, the famed middleweight boxing champion. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Reggie Wilson at Harlem Besame, the restaurant with a Sugar Ray Robinson connection that served as the initial site of the play Sugar Ray's New York run. He spoke with me about the process and experiences that have brought this production to its festival transfer. So we are here to talk about this production of Sugar Ray that you have been working on and mounting and touring across the country and back again and now back down to North Carolina. Um, The piece is by Lawrence Holder, and I'm wondering, can you give us a three-minute summary? Yeah, it just recaptures the life of Sugar Ray. There were a lot of rumors about Sugar Ray when he died. Uh, He was broke, and Lawrence Holder takes his story, and he doesn't only tell the story of Sugar Ray uh, losing his money, but he he actually paints a brilliant picture of Sugar Ray, Mm -hmm. and he shows all the accolades and all the good things that Sugar Ray accomplished. He also, you know, he talks about some of the things that uh, Sugar Ray faced in life, some of his downfalls, but it's a well-rounded story so that the legacy of Sugar Ray can be remembered and not uh, buried or thrown away uh, a lot of times uh, we remember the faults, but mm-hmm. Lawrence Holder took Sugar Ray and he he presented a story that pretty much gives you everything from his younger life to when he was married, his children. And he gives you a well-rounded story about the life of Sugar Ray from, from his teens until he died. All right. How did you get involved in, this, in the production itself? It, it, was, a, it was a meeting... I was at Harlem, New Harlem Bessemer, where we are now, and Mr. Bernardo Ruby, who is the owner, he, uh, we were talking, and uh, you know I had been doing a lot of good things around here, and he, and he suggested that I go and do something on the stage. You know, he said it was time for me to take it to the next level, and he asked me, "What do I do to help you take it to the next level?" And I said, Woody King Jr. <laughs> and he said, well, how do we get him? And I said, he's a phone call away. So I called Woody. And, and Woody and I had to be thinking about a project, a home by Sam R. Williams, mm-hmm. trying to do that piece. And so uh, later that same day, Woody came to New Harlem Bessemer to meet with Mr. Ruby about producing Home by Sam Art Williams and the cost and everything. And while the meeting was happening, Woody was looking around the restaurant and there were pictures of Sugar Ray, big posters of Sugar Ray behind the bar, uh, standing in front of the restaurant. And Woody made mention that I looked like Sugar Ray. Mm-hmm. And once Woody started saying, yo, you look just like that guy because there's one, there's one picture that's here that everyone thinks is me, but it's not me. It's really Sugar Ray Robinson. And we'll have a picture of that with your headshot 
uh, in the in the podcast online so that our listeners can go and check it out. Uh, good deal, good deal. So uh, Woody, Woody thought it was me, and then Woody said, well, actually, Mr. Ruby told Woody that those pictures of Sugar Ray was around the restaurant because Sugar Ray used to actually own this restaurant. And, yeah, Sugar Ray used to own this whole block. It was Sugar Ray Enterprises. And so, you know, Woody being the genius that he is, he said, well, why don't we just do a one-man show on Sugar Ray Robinson right here? And uh, and then did he contact Lawrence, or how did Lawrence get involved there? He contacted Lawrence. And because first he wanted me to go and write one, and I, w- I went home and I started gathering all this information, all this information. The same day, all this happened the same day. I'm at home gathering all this information because I'm going to write this one-man show on Sugar Ray Robinson. I'm going to write it, I'm going to write it, I'm going to write it. And then Woody King called me later that night and said, hey, um, I actually found a script that Lawrence Holder wrote, a one-man show on Sugar Ray Robinson. I'm going to drop it off by the restaurant tonight. So I came back up to the restaurant, and I picked up the script, and I read the script, and I called Woody back, and I said, I want in. So as the production became a reality, you had people on board, you had a place to do it, you had a script, some backers. Uh, what were the next steps? Setting rehearsals, uh, putting together a team of designers. And your director was? Woody King Jr. Yes, it was. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that we included that. Uh, there is a separate interview with Woody on the podcast. Oh, right, so. right, yeah. Um, so, you know, Woody King Jr., when he decided to direct the piece, you know, I get these, I get these butterflies in my stomach because I remember meeting Woody at a theater festival, Black Theater, National Black Theater Festival. I think it was back in 99, or it may have been 2001. And... And I knew the name, but I didn't know who Woody King was. And when everyone was going up to him and saying, hello, how are you, and hello, (laughs) and taking pictures and everything, I went up to him and I asked for a picture as well. They didn't know who he was, really. (laughs) But uh, the the other guy who I was with, um, I asked him, I said, yo, who is Woody King Jr.? And he said to me, once you work with Woody, you've made it in the black theater. So after... After um, finding out that Woody King was about to direct me in a one-man show in New York City, in the original site of Sugar Ray Robinson, I got overly excited. (laughs) And believe it or not, I went home and started learning the lines. This was day one. Remember this? All of this is day one. It's all the same day. All of this is the same day. I go home and I start learning the lines. And then Woody say, um, it was the early early January because the show went up. No, it was maybe around January fifteenth because we only had five weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, the first performance was February twenty sixth, which was Lawrence Holder's birthday, and the last performance was April twelfth, which was Sugar Ray's death date. Mm. That's a long run. That is a long run. And then you have since you've performed it in Chicago, Chicago at the Black Theater Network. Atlanta. You're going to perform it um, at the National Black Theater Festival mm-hmm. this summer in Winston-Salem. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where was it in Atlanta? At the Atlanta Black Theater Festival. That's right. Yeah. And I'm missing one place. Queens. We went to Queens. 
Uh, we did it at the Black Spectrum Theater. Uh, I did it at the Lower East Side Theater Festival. It's been jumping. It's been jumping around, and it's picking up speed. What uh, are your plans for it in the future? I'm on Broadway, you know. Yeah, I'm on Broadway. I also, you know, I want to, I wouldn't mind taking it around to universities because it's a very educational piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't want to forget our predecessors and our ancestors and our forefathers and our, and our uh, what do we call it in Sugar Ray? The gladiators. You can't forget the gladiators, baby. Because without the gladiators, there wouldn't be a civilization. Nice. And that's a line from Sugar Ray. Could you, um, is there a favorite piece from the show? Oh. That you wouldn't oh mind my, sharing with us? Oh my, oh my, like, there, there are, there are a lot of pieces from the show. I, I think my favorite. It's not really a piece. I think my my favorite is a character. And my favorite character is Sugar Ray's mom, mm-hmm. because uh, she was a very stern lady, and she didn't take no oof or <laughs> no guff from no one. And how is she revealed in the performance? Well, Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray, he 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 talks about her uh, early on in the show. He talks about how he goes to the boxing gym, and his mother catches him in in there, and she <laughs> kicks him out. He also talks about uh, another time. This is when it gets to the real stories of his mother and his sisters. He talks about when he goes to the boxing gym, and this is before you know he confessed to his mom about boxing. And in front of guys that he was creaming in the ring, she beat him, <laughs> and she kicked him out of the out of the boxing gym. And then he goes to my favorite story where he talks about she finally found out because I was having an argument with my sister about my money. You see, I had been saving my little money for months, and I had over nine hundred dollars in a shoebox that I kept in my sister's room. You see, I kept it in my sister's room because my mom was always going through my room making sure I wasn't doing nothing wrong. Anyway, I like to count my dough. You know, oh, Midas, huh? Oh, it's a creatures. Anyway, that's the part where the story goes in. And, <laughs> then, and then he starts to talk about, uh, he goes and he presses his sister because he has $10 missing. Now, he just said he had over $900 in a shoebox. But he had $10 missing and he pressed his sister about it. And while he was arguing with his sister and she confessed to him that she bought an outfit with the money, he was going to raise the roof off the house until he turned around and his mother was standing right there. And that whole sequence of the play, Mm -hmm. when he's dealing with his mother and his sister, and that's, you know... It's a very human scene. It is. I was going to say that, like, Lawrence Holder, the way he wrote it, it was like, it was like, so real because you got your mother who's so stern and then you got your sister on the other side who's like, I don't want no parts of it. And you got yourself who's in hot water. So it's like three different... Well, uh, and he's in this really interesting place because he's kind of in a place of fear. Right. Right at the end of he's so in control and he's so angry with her and he, he turns around and then it, within the text, I mean, your delivery of it, it, it just drops out into this place of, of fear <laughs> and, for his and, mom. And that's the beauty of it. It's like, it's like, it's like so, it's like, it's, 
it's, I can't even explain it. And he does it again. Lawrence does it again when we talk about the first time that I got my fight. And I have the, I have the promoter on one side, and I have my boxing trainer on the other side. And the boxing trainer is like, I'm not going to let you fight because I know your mama. And your mama going to do this. And then you got the other trainer, you got the promoter over here saying, come on, come on, I need a guy to fight. And you got Sugar Ray in the middle, like, wants to fight so bad. And to see the way Lawrence wrote that three-man argument, three men are arguing. In about, a one-man show. In a one-man show. I want to remind our audience of that. Right, right, right. Three men are arguing in a one-man show, and you get the argument. You get the argument so well that a lot of times at the end of shows, a lot of people come to me with that argument. And a lot of them remember, like, lines from that argument. Because the way, I, I have to give it up to Woody, too. Because I know when I read it, I was like, yo, how is this possible? Like, this is like a three-man show. Like, how is he going to be able to get all this message out? And the way Woody directed, I must, I must mention that. This show, this was probably one of the hardest shows I've ever been directed in. And the way Woody directed, like, he told me stories upon stories upon stories. Because he didn't want me to make up a character. He wanted me to realize what was really happening and Woody was all about body language. Mm-hmm. He had to show the mm-hmm. body language. And a one-man show, I can't just rely on my voice to tell every story. Like, my mother had a very, like, you would, when you see the show, my mother had a stance. And you knew that stance. And the boxing trainer, he has a stance. And you know, the, and it's, it's the, the, the way Woody, I, I, I'm That each character with. is clear. Very clear. Uh, and, and I would say that your vocal modulation is, is minor. Right. Uh, and it, a lot of that work is all physical. It is. It's all physical. That's another thing I was trying, because I was trying to play all the voices different than Woody was, Woody was against that. I mean, there, were some things, there were some things that Woody wanted me to, to have vocal inflections on, but for mostly it was all about body language. Creating body a physical language. Yeah. person. Yeah, I must say, I know I, that team together, Woody and... Lawrence Holder, it seems like it was heaven sent. And then to do the history and see that they also, you know, worked together in a lot of shows in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and who is your design team? I have Karima. The That's goddess. her name. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's the stage manager. Fulton Hodges, he's the assistant stage manager. My fellow FAMU alum. Neil Marfelder is the costume designer, so he designed that mm-hmm. hot flies. pink suit. Yeah. <laughs> hat and all. Yeah, hat and all, yeah. Neil Mar put that together. Bill Toes did the lighting. Uh, Antoinette Times did the, no, I'm sorry, Bill Toes did the projections. Antoinette Times did the lighting. And Woody King directed. And you didn't have a scenic designer, correct? No, 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 no. no. It was set in a restaurant. Uh, this is Sugar Ray's restaurant, so we tried to make it seem like uh, it was a restaurant. And that's another thing. The way Woody started the show was I ran in, like I, I was late, and I'm like, oh, I like what y'all did to my restaurant. <laughs> I mean, like, like Woody, Woody gave me the leeway every show for about 30 to 45 seconds to do a little improv mm-hmm. to the audience. Uh, Billy Eckstein sat right there. Sammy Davis Jr. sat right there. Oh, yeah, look what they did to my restaurant. Hmm. So I got, I got a chance to come in here, and I don't know if Woody knew this, but he's a 
brilliant guy, so I'm pretty sure he knew this. <laughs> but those 30 to 45 seconds allowed me to get off of my nerves and just relax and just breathe and just know that the people were here with me mm -hmm. and that they were supporting me because I don't know if any of you have ever had to learn 55 pages of a script that you didn't write and <laughs> and have the playwright in rehearsals show with up you. Show up and be there. Yeah, he was, uh, Lawrence Holder was pretty much here every rehearsal up until the show. So, um, so if you messed up, he knew. Yeah, he knew. He knew. And there were times that he would give me the, the line note like right there. And they were like, yo, it's not to be is B2. I mean, it was like, it was, yeah, mm -hmm. it was, it was intense. Who was your team here at Besame? Oh, I had um, Mr. Ruby, of course. Uh, he was the sole, sole producer. He and Miss Terry. Um, I had, Toya was pretty much, ah, gosh, I don't know what I can say about Toya. She's my lady. I, I have to admit that. But when it comes to this production, Toya sat me down every day, and she drilled those lines in my head. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm talking about every day, day in and day night. I ate, I slept, I thought Sugar Ray, and it was intense, and it was Sugar Ray, and it was Sugar Ray, and it was Sugar Ray. And she was, oh, my, oh, my gosh, she was so hard. Oh, gosh. You I've probably had the coaches. show as well as you do. Uh, yeah, I, and <clears throat> I must admit, I know the show. I can go right now, and I haven't did the show in a month. I can go right now and do a real quick line through or a speed through with Toya, and she knows the lines too, and she's going to tell me the lines I messed up on. <laughs> and I can have you a show tonight. That's how well I know these lines. Mm -hmm. Just a moment ago, you heard Reggie detail his production team. Not mentioned in that previous list is Mr. Ruby, who solely produced Sugar Ray. Hearing Reggie speak about Mr. Ruby was a true joy. It's just, it's, it's just, it's not all the time you get somebody that's like in your corner. Mm -hmm. um, I, met, I met him when I did my first show here in New York City. I had a small role. It's, 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 Crazy, real quick, how things come full circle. So I'm with Woody King. I'm doing an internship for grad school. Mm -hmm. I'm reading all these scripts. He says, why are you reading these scripts in my office? You need to be out there auditioning. I said, well, I thought I had to do the internship, so I couldn't go out here and audition. So Woody said, let me make a phone call. Woody called Fulton Hodges. Woody said, Fulton, aren't you directing the play? Woody said, yes. Yeah. Fulton said, yes. Woody said, well, don't you need another actor? Of course, you don't say no to Woody. Fulton said, yes, I do. I have a small role. Full circle. Fulton is my assistant stage manager for Sugar Ray. My first show in New York. Then, after that, Mr. Ruby, he came to see the show. He has a son who has Down syndrome. And in my bio, it said that I was getting my MFA. So Mr. Ruby, he came up to me. He was like, I see you getting your MFA in theater. Um, do you have any experience working with children with special needs? And I said, as a matter of fact, I do. So he brought me to his son, Hailey, who is responsible for all of this artwork around here. All right. He brought me to Hailey. I ended up writing a book for Hailey because Hailey is artistic. He loves colors. So I took what I learned in grad school and I wrote a book called 
color coding the English language. And basically, I colored the word so that Hiley could recognize certain letters. And he started reading. He started auditioning. He got a lead role in a film. He also got a national um, Special Olympics commercial. This was after we started working together. So, of course, we established a relationship. Five, six years later, now we're in Harlem, Bethel, May. Mr. Ruby said, I want to I I take you to the next level. He put up everything for it. Everything. I told him I needed coat hangers. Well, Woody said we needed coat hangers, I mean coat racks for the set. Mr. Ruby goes and he gets these coat racks. You see how much they, look at these elegant antique they coat are racks. They're beautiful. There's no telling how much these coat racks cost. But he went and he got them. Mm-hmm. And no matter what it was, whatever was needed for the show, Mr. Ruby was just so willing and you never get nobody that's in your corner like this and he was just fully supportive to this day and I'll let our listeners know that Mr. Ruby just walked through the room to make sure that everything was right for us so Reggie's not lying I mean from the beginning to the middle to the we're not at the end and he's still still cheering you on making sure things are right Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely one of my biggest biggest supporters in life I'm that like I, I'm still like I'm, I'm I'm still like overwhelmed, you know. Like I, I like to say, God sends you angels, and you know my father passed away, so it's like Mr. Ruby's like dad, call him pops. <laughs> so let's talk about your Adelco Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, you've gotten a decent amount of accolades mm-hmm. for Sugar Ray. Um, so getting the Adelco, man. First of all, congratulations again. Yeah. What What is that like? I mean, I I've obviously never gotten one, so I just can't imagine being so well supported and recognized by your peers. What was that like? In 2016, I was terrified. In 2012, I was terrified. The good thing about 2012 was... And explain what you are doing in 2012. Okay, 2012, I was doing Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I got the best lead actor and the best revival of Delco for that one. And I was so scared because I was, I, I was in the category against Stephen Tyrone Williams, Ron Cephas Jones. Mm-hmm. Just in case y'all don't know who Ron Cephas Jones is, he's pretty much killing TV right now. Yeah. Killing it's it. Everywhere. I, oh my gosh, uh, uh, Domingo Coleman, he was in the category. I, all of these guys, I, 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 I looked at all of their careers and I was like, oh my gosh, how did they even put me in this category with these guys? Like, and I won, and it was surreal. And I carried that high, I carried that high, and I didn't do no more, I didn't do no more black plays until I did Sugar Ray. Four years later. Four years later. And which then got you your second Adelco. Got me Not. another Adelco. <laughs> and maybe the heavens are aligning you to yeah. tell you to keep doing black theater. <laughs> but the thing is I want to. But I I have talent and God gave me my talent and he didn't give me my talent to uh secluded to no one. I during my time away, I mean I I've gotten all the accolades, you know, I got New York Friends Festival Award, got nominated for the Innovative Theater Award for doing Miss Julie. Mm-hmm. To be quite honest, it's hard to get in black plays. It's not as easy as you think. 
Um, there aren't that many being done. Right. So, if you, uh, I mean, for everyone who thinks that you know, there's a thousand actors for every role, well, then you go into a niche market in that way, and you know, there are even fewer yeah. shows being done, even fewer opportunities. Right. So that's that's why I try to tell people because you know you have some people I don't do those plays. Oh, okay. We'll see how much you work. Before we close up. Is there any particular part of the show you would like to cite or quote? Or I'll say perform loosely in quotation marks. Have you set it up for us? Oh well, this is this is this is very early in the show, and it's just a little uh, background into how Sugar Ray got into fighting, and uh, this 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 is a story. Basically, how he was on the block, got into fighting. It's funny how I got into boxing. There was a priest who had a boxing gym in the basement of his church, and he caught me doing something I shouldn't have been doing. Not that I was a bad kid. I wasn't. But I could have gone direct, the wrong direction with one good boot. Anyway, he invited me to his basement, and I took him up on it. My mother found out. She came storming in and demanded that I leave. I left, but the smells were exotic. And the movements, mm, the movements were just too much. And I could move. Word got around my neighborhood that I could move, that I could dance, that I could really fight. So I'm sitting on the stoop one afternoon with my sister and her friends, and some dude and his boys come up to me. Hey, you can fight. I just look at him. I'm not interested in fighting no one. <laughs> my mom's upstairs. <laughs> but just then, my older sister's boyfriend comes by. And he's listening to the talk, you know, back and forth. You afraid to fight? You a punk? You a chicken? His mother doesn't allow him to fight. My sister friend says, he listens to his mother. He adds... Then he must be a mama's boy. My hackles go up. My sisters look at me and they know. So, mama's boy, what you gonna do? Sit there like a little weasel? In less than a second, I jumped off the stoop right into his face. Before he or anybody could stop me, I knocked him to the ground and was pummeling him in the face. Blooded his nose, messed up his style. He and his boys ran away. For you, particularly in the character you created, who's Sugar Ray? Sugar Ray is the undisputed, pound for pound, greatest boxer there ever was. This man fought 200 fights, had 173 wins. As an amateur, he had 85 wins with 69 knockouts, and 40 of them coming in the first round. He had some, he had some, some downfalls in life, but... The good things, he went to the Army. He was in the Army with Joe Lewis, but we don't hear about this. We hear about how he left the Army. But the reason why he left the Army was because he got hit in the head with something, and he was suffering from amnesia after someone recognized him and got him to the medics. But he went to the military. He went to the Army, and he got an honorable discharge. A lot of people are saying that he was a deserter, that he went AWOL, but that's, none of that stuff is true. Sugar Ray Robinson got an honorable discharge. 
Let's honor him. Reggie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks thank for you. talking to us about this. Thank you very, very much. It's been great. This is the Black Theater History Podcast. I'm KB Singh. For more of the stories, the people, and the history of America's Black Theater, log on to blacktheaterpodcast.com. That's theater with an R-E. There you will also find a photo of Reggie with the famed picture of Sugar Ray at Bessemer and two images of Haley's artwork under the Sugar Ray episode. Our music is by Kaya Caterhurst from the album Nine Pin, which can be found on iTunes and wherever else fine music is sold. And while you're online, like our Facebook page and subscribe to the Black Theater History Podcast. We've got a lot more to learn. Thanks for listening. <laughs>